All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca podcast episode. Uh, I am your host, Nathan Holritz, and uh, we are creating content that helps photographers build sustainable businesses. I am joined today by a brand new guest. And by the way, one of the few guests, Tanya, uh, that is not a photographer. Uh, so you're a wonderful exception to the rule, and I appreciate you making time for us. Tanya Hershey is here with us. Thank you so much for uh, well hanging out with us and, and bringing a lot of value, too. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm saying that preemptively because, I mean, really, of course, ultimately what we're going to be talking about today is um, not so ironically related to the idea of value, financial value. We're going to be talking about bookkeeping and more more specifically how to simplify the process of bookkeeping. Uh, this is not a sexy topic, Tanya. And you probably have this conversation maybe on a regular basis with small business owners that you're working with. Um, but it's, and I've, I've said this multiple times on the podcast before, it's one of the areas where I fell short as a photography business owner, because I didn't go into owning a business with any kind of concept really about financial management in general, certainly not when it came to, to managing finances for business. So I think it's important, and I'm sure there are many photographers that can relate. It's important that we address this topic, but also help minimize the overwhelm at the same time. Because I think one of the things that I was so afraid of was, or that kept me from doing better than I did financially was just fear. And of course, fear a lot of times is lack of understanding, right? Yes, absolutely. I hear that all the time. I'm not a numbers person. And, you know, I hear from photographers who have been in business for years and they are like, I'm really embarrassed about what my books look like. And there's a sense of shame, like I should be doing this better. So it's, it's definitely a thing <laughs> across the board. Well, unfortunately, people like yourself exist that will come alongside the photography business owner and help them out. Um, that was the thing that I was looking for when I would look for or began looking for an accountant, or if I had to go to a different one, look for a new accountant with somebody that I felt comfortable with, mm. um, somebody that I knew was going to be on my side and help me out. And unfortunately, I found two or three of those. But the, the bookkeeping aspect of, of this whole conversation um, is very specific and, and a bit unique. It's not the the kind of umbrella topic of accounting. And so we're going to get into the differences here in just a little bit, and then more specifically, how to go about managing our bookkeeping efforts in a little bit simpler way. We'll get to that in a bit. But I, I normally start off with these conversations with a few questions, Tanya, and I want to ask you some of these similar questions as well. First of all, I mean, you're working with customers. It doesn't matter if you're taking pictures or, or being a bookkeeper, you're still working with customers. What's been one of the most important lessons you've learned when it comes to providing a good experience for your customers? Yeah, I would say just putting yourself in their shoes and you you come at every situation thinking if if I was the customer, how would I want to be treated? And just takes a lot of um, empathy and imagination, I guess, to to provide that great experience for customers. Yeah, empathy is, is it's everything. It's so much. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have... Um, on my refrigerator, I've got this list of what I call the 10 rules for life. Um, these are rules that I kind of came up with along with my kids, and I like to keep it front and center. But one of the things we talk about in that list is the significance of empathy. Yeah. And it is so important to put ourselves in the so-called shoes of those around us, personally, professionally, with our clients in particular. What does that look like practically, though? Like, um, I mean, let, let's just let's take a scenario where maybe a client is upset about something, mm. whether it's something mm -hmm. they're dealing with or something that, that happened in the experience working with you. How does that look practically? How do you show empathy to them in that? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is always, I can really understand why you feel that way. Or, you know, even if it's not something you agree with, mm. you always want to um, validate that they are yes. having an issue and a problem and mm -hmm. you're putting yourself in their shoes. I'm sure that that is difficult for you. I'm starting to hear that, I think, is the first step when addressing any issues that come up and then following up with, well, let's come up with a plan. How can we address this together? And so that, you know, I want you to be happy the customer's always right <laughs> is kind of the, the principle there, I guess. But Well, it starts with, you said, the idea of validation, which is really important. Um, and I think, I think people can sense when we're not genuine about that validation. So if we're truly in an empathetic mindset, I think that that can affect our emotions, the tone of our voice, whether it's literal or figurative. You know, sometimes we're having yeah. to email or text. Other times we're actually having a conversation. Uh, but yeah. nonetheless, genuine validation of their feelings, their perspective. And then I like that second step, which is let's come up with a plan. Uh, because they know that you're on their side now because you are feeling with them and for them. And 
now that you've acknowledged those feelings, you've given them validation, now we can come up with a plan. I think that's a great kind of first, second step uh, and a good way to start this conversation too. But let me kind of kind of switch uh, gears here or modes, directions. Let's talk about brand position because okay. there are a lot of, I mean, just like there are so many photographers, there are a lot of bookkeepers um, in, in at least, I mean, certainly the US market. I'm not sure what this looks like overseas, but how do you create any kind of distinction for yourself as a bookkeeper? What is your brand position, if you will? Yeah, well, my kind of tagline is uh, bookkeeping for the profitable photographer mm -hmm. because you've got better things to do. So it's <laughs> the idea. Of, right. Like you as a photographer have a distinct set of strengths. And as a business owner, you've got things that you need to be focusing on to, to if you're going to grow and scale. Mm. And so we want to come along on the back end and support you in that and take things off of your plate that um, we're, that we can provide for a professional service for. Um, so I think that's, that's what we bring to the table is not only taking care of the details of your everyday finances, but also making sure that you are organized and you are clear about where you're going and just clear about your finances in general. Yeah. But I, I mean, I want to go back to your, your so-called tagline, which really is actually a great brand position for anybody curious. If you go to tidybooksboutique.com, just like it sounds. Uh, and by the way, it's, it's, uh, the same thing on Instagram as well, but on the homepage of your website, Above the fold, this is something we talk about a lot when um, during the brand position consultations, uh, in particular at the Boca Podcast. But you have the, the message above the fold, so I don't have to scroll and go looking for what your business represents, what it stands for. Immediately, it says bookkeeping for the profitable photographer. And one of the things that I talk about in our brand position consultations is the significance of calling out a distinct market or a, a specific market. That is one way that you can set yourself apart. And you've done this brilliantly. If you just said, I'm a bookkeeper and left it at that, some version of that phrase, and you left it at that, now you're just kind of a, you're, you're in the middle of that noise of other bookkeepers, right? But you've called out a, a specific market. I don't know of any bookkeeper actually who's doing just this. So you're creating some distinction immediately. And then you throw a little bit of humor in there, kind of the, the subtext is because you've got better things to do. And it's absolutely true. As, as photography yeah. business owners, we can do much, much more that will actually make a difference in our bottom line. But yeah. for the profitable photographer, it's you even give a qualifier there, the profitable photographer, what is a photographer? So if they if they come to your site, they're like, Oh, I, I'm a photographer. So that works and a profitable one. Oh, my word. I'm really curious now because I want to be maybe I'm not quite or at least not as much as I want to be. But if Tanya can help me become profitable with the work that she's doing, I'm in sign me up. Uh, so this is a really brilliant example. How did you come up with this position statement? Um, that's a good question. I'm not, I don't really know. <laughs> You're just that good naturally. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure I, I put a lot of work into it, but I can't remember like an aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but just, yeah, just probably I, I did a lot of honestly market research interviewing photographers and just the things, the need that was out there mm -hmm. and what's what need am I meeting? And that is really what it comes down to a lot of times is I don't have time to do this on my own. Yeah. Well, and, and you're, you, of course you specified the photography mm. market, which is a, I mean, it's a big market, but in comparison to a lot of other things, it's a relatively small market. It's, it's at least a niche market, if you will. And so focusing on a smaller market enables you to be able to grow a little bit more quickly. I mean, this is, I've found this personally starting a business or more than one business uh, in the photography industry, if you work within a smaller segment, especially an industry like the photography industry that is very communicative, they talk amongst themselves, mm -hmm. word spreads really, really quickly. So if you've created something specific for them and you do really well at it, there's an opportunity to grow relatively quickly. So it's interesting that you've focused on a, a niche market. But uh, yeah. this is a beautiful example for all of our listeners of a great brand position. So kudos to you, whether you realized you were doing it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Let's keep going in conversation though. Let's talk about time. And, uh, I know that you have family, so you've, you've got, you've got family, pe important people in your life and you've got a business to run. You need to take care of yourself. How do you manage to, I guess, do all of these things and not totally get burned out in the process? Do you have a particular workflow tip or trick that you can recommend? Yeah, I love this topic because I have six children. And so this is obviously something that I have to work on constantly, but sure. I would say 
it's nothing fancy, but my biggest tip is when I'm working, I'm working when I'm not, I'm not. And like when I'm, when I'm on with work, I, what I do is I um, plan out my work time. If I say, okay, I've got four hours to work. I just plan out exactly what I'm going to do in those four hours and turn off all distractions, just completely zone in because that time is valuable. I can't waste that time that I'm working. And then of course, on the flip side, the harder part is when I'm not working, I've got to turn it off and <laughs> mentally turn it off. Um, you know, I work from home as probably a lot of you do. And that's the hardest thing is sometimes I literally will tell my son to go hide my phone because I don't want to be checking my email, yeah. you know, when after school, when they're all home and I need to be with them. Yeah. So. Well, that's great. And you create accountability by having him do yeah. that too. That's a, that's a really cool way to go about it. Um, you're it right. Works. <laughs> oh, and it, and it totally does. I I've talked about this in the podcast before. One of the things that we used to do with my, I have two kids, they're a little bit older now, 18 and 15, but when they were younger, we would do something called fun Monday uh, before they were in school. And then it was fun Sunday. Nonetheless, it, there was a certain amount of accountability. They knew that computers were shut. We're going to, we're going to go out and do something. We're going to spend time together as a family. And it became such the norm for them that they could kind of hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a certain amount of accountability, whether it's with our partner or kids or otherwise is, is important. Um, but the other thing that you spoke to, which is, it, it seems relatively simplistic, but I don't think we do it well enough consistently enough is focus. I mean, actually focusing on the task at hand, minimizing distractions in the meantime and getting yes. the thing done because it's amazing how fast, how quickly we can work, how quickly our minds think, especially when we give ourselves narrow parameters to work within and we focus and we actually get the work done. So I think that's a really great reminder too. Yeah. There's a book. I don't know if you've read it called deep work. Yes. And I can't. Okay. Yeah. My husband and I listened to that on audible and we were like, yes, this is exactly what we've already kind of been doing, but it just really honed it in for us. Interesting. Yeah. I say, yes, I've heard of it. Um, our, our friend, uh, Rich Smith, who has been on the podcast a number of times, he actually co-hosts the uh, workflow Wednesday episodes with us, uh, mm-hmm. had, had actually mentioned this book to me and he found a lot of value in it. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes too, for everyone listening in, uh, deep yeah. work. Who's that by? Do you remember? No, I don't have it. I'll look, I'll look it up here as we're, as we're talking, but either way, yeah. we'll put it in the show notes. And um, by the way, anybody listening in Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And uh, you can find that information, uh, the links to today's resources, the books, the talking points, et cetera, uh, there at bocapodcast.com. You can also find something that's kind of fun uh, that Haley put together called our at bocabookshelf.com. And uh, you'll actually see the most popular recommendations for books there on that site. So anybody curious, you can take a look at that. Deep Work is written by Cal Newport uh, for anybody curious and wants that reference. But we'll link to that on Amazon in the show notes. Speaking of actually, let's go ahead and talk about one of the most impactful books, uh, self-help mm-hmm. or business books that you've read. Uh, this is one of them or any other that come to mind. Yeah. I, I think I probably do focus mostly on time management okay. um, books. Um, Margin by, I think it's Richard Swenson. Okay. Yeah. is another good one, mm-hmm. that whole topic. But as far as just most impactful, probably as I was starting my business for a really general business overview, um, the business boutique by Christy Wright. Okay. Um, I just found it to be really helpful and in all aspects as I was launching my own business and just kind of as you're dabbling your feet in different areas, Mm -hmm. marketing, sales, financial, anything. I found that to be really helpful. So it kind of covers the gamut then just kind of all all the topics. Yeah. And her, you know, she's, she's, um, targeting women making, um, make money doing what you love. Okay. And so, it can apply to really any industry. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll link to that. Then is that probably on Amazon as well? Yeah, I'm sure it okay. is. Okay. We'll link mm-hmm. to that on Amazon as well for anybody who's curious. Thanks for sharing those. Um, yeah. I, I I know that, uh, I mean, Deep Work in particular, I'm trying to think if I've actually bought that now, but I have a list of books that I want to get through. And that is one I'm very, very curious about. Yes. Uh, for anybody listening in, if, especially right now, you may have a little bit of extra time on your hands, uh, make sure to, to go check out that list of books at bocabookshelf.com. Talk to us about, uh, speaking of time management, delegation, outsourcing. I mean, is there mm-hmm. in any form or fashion, whether you're working with somebody in-house or a third-party company or otherwise, do you take advantage of this concept, this principle of delegation in your business? Yeah, absolutely. I have to. For my, like I run a bookkeeping firm, so I've got a team that works with me okay. on the everyday production. So I'm 
delegating out that everyday production. Um, and they're kind of behind the scenes um, working, but they're they're so awesome. And then one of the best moves I made was to hire a virtual assistant yeah. just for any administrative tasks. She's awesome. She never drops a detail. Wow. You know, I can just kind of send, send. In fact, I keep referring her to people and I'm like, you can't leave me. <laughs> <But> <laughs> she's that good. So, so yeah. what kind of tasks specifically will you give to her to do? Yeah. Um, I have like a backend management software okay. that she does a lot with just doing updates, okay. getting my team what they need to do their work. Okay. Kind of just keep adding any, basically anything that I write down, I think, could I have Jennifer do this? And some things I can, some things I can't, but. But that's interesting. You start with that. Could I have somebody else do this? I I love that, that the whole premise to the, to the process of running your business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe because I have so many children, I understand the concept of like, I will not survive if I don't delegate. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you know, I see that in my home life and it's kind of translated into business. Like if I want to grow and scale, I have to, I have to delegate it out, even though it doesn't come naturally for me. Like Mm. I think there are people that would rather do it themselves. And I'm one of those people, but I also see the long-term value of delegating, you know? Sure. What, what would you say? I mean, when you say it's not naturally who you are, what you would do, what does that mean? What does that feel like? I think about like my husband is a very natural manager. Mm. He just can jump into a situation and, you know, you do this, do this, do this, and kind of sees the big picture and uh, whereas I would r- jump into a situation and say, okay, what can I do? Like, I'm going to make a list of all the things I need to do. So it's just not my first, it's not the first thing I jump to, to say, you know, it's, it's a, something I've had to train myself to do, to say, how can I, how could someone else do this so that I'm free to do other things? No, that's fair. That makes sense. What would you say is, uh, what has, what are the, one of the biggest principles that have enabled you to better delegate? Did you, was there a particular skill that you had to learn that made it easier for you to start thinking? I mean, the fact that you yeah. now naturally think, can I give this to Jennifer? Yeah. I'm sure that took yeah. some time, but was it that, or was there something else that made a big difference? It was kind of a turning point for you. It's probably a combination of giving up control, like just being willing to give up mm. control and then seeing the power of it, w- the power of delegation in action. You know, once once I started seeing that, like with my kids, for example, they're still young, but like the older ones now, they can clean up dinner without asking me. And so I'm like, yes, I've, I've you know, that's a win. <laughs> yeah. You know, when things can move without you um, and just in business, when you can see the, the vision of how can this how can these things go on even if I go on vacation for 30 days or, right. <laughs> or whatnot? So, yeah. So the, the realization of the benefit, I mean, that, that kind of comes after the fact. We have to actually take the step in that direction. But in order to mm-hmm. do so, one of the things you pointed out was the significance of giving up, learning to give up control. On the yes. other side of needing control, whether we realize it consciously or not, is at least partially, at least in the photography industry anyway, this kind of assumption that unless we do it, it won't be good enough. Was that, yeah. is that a feeling that you could relate to? Yes and no. Okay. I, I mean, in the bookkeeping world, of course, there's an element of, de- you have to be exact, you know, yeah. this is a very detailed industry. And so there is an element of, I, how do, how will I know that, that things are going the way I would want them to go? And, and, you know, I had to develop a quality control, okay. you know, piece to this. Yeah. Um, but the need for absolute, I don't know if perfection, accuracy Mm. in my business. And it's not that I let go of that. I had to figure out how to maintain that standard of accuracy and train and bring the training up to that same level so that I could, and the quality control so that I could be assured that no matter who is doing the work at tidy books, it's always going to be at this standard. Right. So I guess a lot of it there has tied to communication, right? Because, and this is yeah. something we talked about at the podcast, a lot of being able to delegate is learning how to communicate well. We know what we want yes. done. And if, if it's just us, we're in our own head, we understand ourselves and we can get the work done. But if now we have to give that to somebody else and we need it done a particular way it requires, you mentioned training, of course, innate to training mm-hmm. is communication and, and effective communication at that. Yeah. Um, learning how to communicate effectively. Did that take some time? What What was that process like for you? I mean, I think actually before communication, probably the groundwork was developing processes. Ooh, good. I think that's that's probably 
the correct way to answer this is I spent hours and hours developing processes and this is exactly how I do things and, and figuring out what's the checklist. What are those big, big points that I need to bring out that they need to be done every time. And, and from there, once you've got your processes, then you can put the people in place and no matter who's working on it, they should always be coming back to this process. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time, but it's, it's worth it. It's a good payoff in the end but you do have to put the work into it. <laughs> but I'm so glad you highlight the significant processes because you're right. Before you can effectively communicate what needs to be done, you need to know what you do, right? I mean, and, and that yeah. seems obvious probably to a lot of people, but many of photographers, um, and by the way, I, I'll raise my hand here too. In my business, I still have to make sure I'm clear about what it is that I want before mm-hmm. I can effectively communicate to my team. And so many photographers, they may have a workflow per se, I'll put it in air quotes, and a workflow that let's let's say for example when it comes to editing that they go about in their editing process the reality is it's kind of haphazard kind of hectic and they do sometimes they do it this way other times they do it this other way and it's not consistent so unless we have a consistent system established then it's really difficult to be able to communicate that clearly to somebody else in order to delegate so anybody that's listening in i mean this this is applicable certainly to outsourcing editing but to your bookkeeping work uh to album design to other administrative uh details, tasks, email, for example, if you don't have a workflow established yourself, you're going to have a tough time delegating it. So be, be sure as Tanya pointed out up front, that you understand your own workflow and that will then enable you to delegate more effectively to communicate what you want done more effectively. And I'm so glad that you highlighted that. So important, Tanya. All right. So just to continue on now and actually to delve into our, our primary topic at hand, simplifying this process of bookkeeping. I mean, first of all, I want to make it clear for everybody, if it wasn't obvious already, bookkeeping is what you do, Tanya. And for anybody listening, if you go to tidybooksboutique.com, if you're looking for somebody to help you get your books in order, um, then Tanya is going to be the one that you talk to. But to that point, Tanya, just to give a little bit of context to our listeners, what is your background in bookkeeping? You obviously have an established business, but how long have you been doing this? Yeah, so I actually do have a background in photography. Um, really? Okay. When my, yeah, when my kids were young, I started a photography business. Okay. And I had that for about six years. And then as they, my kids were growing and our family was expanding, I was like, I either need to go big or go home, basically. <laughs> and so I chose to go home and kind of retire that side. But what I found during that time is that I loved the business portion of having my own business and especially the numbers portion. And so I kind of had this idea in the back of my mind that if the time came when I I loved having my own business, if the time came to start another business, that I would go down that avenue of the business and finances side. And so that door did open up a couple of years ago. We needed a second income. Oh, it was about four years ago now. We needed a second income. And so at that point, I launched Tidy Books and went down that path of, of marketing and opening the business. And I knew because I had that background and network in photography, um, I thought, you know, what better way to use this skill than supporting photographers because I really just had a heart to see my fellow photographers thriving and, That's cool. um, you know, just meeting that, that need. Well, and speaking of empathy, I mean, because you do have that background, it enables you to better understand where they're coming from and what they need. So that's really, really good. But we kind of create a distinction, differentiation for us between bookkeeping and accounting. Like if, if I had to give a definition at this point, I might be able to give a rough one, but can you break that down for our listeners? Yeah. The illustration I like to use is an accountant is like a doctor and a bookkeeper is like a nurse. Okay. And so a doc, a nurse is going to be more concerned with taking your vitals and, and your, your day-to-day health maybe, and getting you ready to see the doctor. Hmm. And then the doctor, if we're comparing that to to the CPA or accountant, they are more concerned. So their primary concern is of course, tax readiness and making sure that you're legal and then saving money on taxes. And so that's kind of their like, you know, tax planning, all that stuff, all the stuff wrapped around with taxes is what the accountant's dealing with. And then the bookkeeper is more concerned with your day-to-day operations, okay. you know, the money that's coming in and out of your business and making sure that you have questions answered about deductions, things like that. Just kind of keeping an eye, a closer eye on your money for you. And then of course the record keeping portion of that, they get you ready to see the doctor, yeah. get you ready for taxes and make sure they've got everything they need at tax time. 
I like that comparison, though, to a nurse who takes the vitals, because the reality is the day to day income expenses that the money coming in, the money going out, that information, those so-called vitals need to be tracked and they need to be tracked consistently. And to your point as well, I mean, that's great for taxes and for the accountant at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year. But being aware of that information, that data on an ongoing basis is huge for photographers. And I don't think enough of them, and again, I'll speak from personal experience, I don't think enough photographers actually spend time in that realm. Um, the, the thought is I need to make sure I keep track of this information so I you know, can pay my sales tax or I can file mm-hmm. my, my taxes, my income taxes, but not, I need to be aware of this information so I can make intelligent decisions about my next, next marketing campaign or whether I even have money to spend on a marketing campaign. And, oh, this is where revenue tends to be strongest. Maybe I nix this other area that's only generating 5% of my revenue and I focus on the, you know, the 85, 90% um, or whatever yeah. it might be. So the awareness for the sake of ultimately building a business is a massive missing key factor, I think, in the photography industry. And we need people like yourself to, to help us with this bookkeeping side. But what do you think ultimately causes apprehension for photographers when it mm-hmm. comes to this idea, I mean, general financial management, certainly bookkeeping. Yeah, I think I heard you say at the beginning for yourself, it was this fear of the unknown mm-hmm. um, fear of what, what does the, what do the numbers actually say? And I think there's almost a fear of, am I actually making money? Like yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm, I'm working really hard. Do I actually, am I actually making, am I actually only making, five dollars an hour you yep. know so that's one side of it and then just the other th- hurdle I think is the shame and embarrassment of like not they feel like they should know mm. they should have their stuff together and they should have a knowledge of this but feeling a lack of it a lack of professionalism and almost a, a legitimacy a lack of legitimacy even though they are a legitimate professional sophisticated business up here the book they're their books might be down here on the back end. And so I think there's just a, a lot of emotional factors that go into, I don't know, they become barriers to growth. For sure. But you spoke to the significance of fear and fear in many cases is rooted, if, if not every case really is rooted in a lack of understanding, right? Yes. Understanding or uh, ultimately knowledge about what is, what could be, and and I think when it comes to our our money, our financial situation, there is concern about what is and what could be, right? What is? Yeah. Do I actually? Am I actually making enough money? Is there actually enough money in the account to do this thing or that thing? Am I going to be a, a feasible business in six months or a year, whatever the case? Uh, but unless we start at that place of awareness, we'll never be able to move forward. And then we always and, and for me personally, it was this kind of snowball. I, I got stuck in this really vicious cycle of fear. And then kind of taking care of responsibility and then regressing again to just fear and not wanting to deal with it. And then, of course, that snowballs and the fear gets worse and you finally take care of the responsibilities and things are okay. But I, for various reasons, continued that vicious cycle and it it really put me in a bad spot. So we have to step out of that. And the reality is if we just make the effort, and especially if we have somebody like yourself to kind of help us out of that cycle, um, we could be in a much, much better place. Yeah, that's such a great description. It's almost like a spiral or whirlpool. You get stuck in going around and and knowledge is power, right? And so uh, the first step is just to get solid numbers that you can actually use and learn from your numbers, I think is really, it moves you from fear to empowerment because once you actually can look at real numbers and real data, then it becomes fun and you can say, okay, how can I use this to strategize and move forward, move my business forward instead of react, instead of being reactive, Yes, you can start being proactive, but it does take that first step of, okay, I'm going to do this, and, but face it. Yeah, face it. And then you can step over it and go, that's, that's really good. I, I want to, you actually sent ahead of time a few steps uh, that will enable photographers to simplify the bookkeeping process. But I actually have a question before that for you. Um, I, I tend to be a bit biased, actually very biased toward anything that simplifies my life. 
And I've been surprised over the years. I understand the significance of, and you probably do even way more than I do, the significance of spreadsheets. Uh, some photographers will still use spreadsheets to, to manage their finances. And I guess if you understand how spreadsheets work, you can utilize them quite effectively. They're very powerful. But my thought is, especially when it comes to finances, simplifying your life, minimizing fear, overcoming lack of understanding, using tools like QuickBooks Online, for example, that is at this point, fortunately, it wasn't when I first started in photography, but now it's just like plug and play. It's so easy to use. Do you do you recommend that photographers go to software like that versus doing a spreadsheet or some of these other kind of old, more old school methods? Yeah, this is probably the question I get asked most often. What I tell people is, like you said, QuickBooks Online, they've come a long way and they're they're much more user-friendly than in the past. Yeah. And so I absolutely recommend QuickBooks Online with the caveat of there is a learning curve to it. Okay. And so it's very easy to get sucked into learning the software and troubleshooting the software. So knowing that ahead of time is huge and maybe getting some professional help even in setting it up. The other thing I say is look at the goals and, and we might get into this here in a little bit, but looking at the goals of your business if, if you came to me and said, this is a side business, you know, maybe I'm going to make 20, 30,000 this year, I might say, you know, QuickBooks isn't maybe necessary for you. You could use something like 70 Hats or Sato, HoneyBook. There's lots of great tools out there that people are already probably using on the back end anyway. But if you came to me and said, no, this is, you know, I'm going to make six, fi- I'm planning on, I am or I'm planning on making six figures. Eventually, I want to delegate out my bookkeeping. I would say, yeah, definitely get set up with QuickBooks online from the start. It's and is it more, is it QuickBooks, I guess, self-employed? I was actually pulling up my own account here, yeah. uh, QuickBooks self-employed. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, you mentioned the learning curve. What would you say is the biggest learning curve when it comes to the software? Yeah. So QuickBooks self-employed is actually a little bit different okay. than QuickBooks online. Okay. So QuickBooks self-employed is meant, it's really created for for contractors. So maybe if you're doing a lot of freelancing or that type of thing, and maybe you don't have a separate bank account and your, you know, your money is coming because you have, you can swipe left for personal, right for business. Right. My husband uses that. He's in sales and he, you know, has minimal expenses, but he still needs to track. So, mm-hmm. but if you're running like an LLC or an S QuickBooks online is really much more robust. You can use the, once you have your data in there, you can, really work the reports to to show you what you need to to know and to see. Sure. So yeah, they are different. And fortunately you can't switch your data. You can't just put the switch and move it over. You have to create a new, a brand new account for QuickBooks online. Interesting. Okay. That's good Mm -hmm. to know. I I personally just use QuickBooks self-employed to track mileage. Um, I like Mm -hmm. the, the auto tracking functionality. QuickBooks, I even remember from using QuickBooks uh, online before somebody else was was uh, more involved with managing our accounting and bookkeeping and so forth um, at my company, having been in that software. I mean, it came from back in the day. I mean, this is probably a good 18, 19 years ago, something like that. QuickBooks was something that only lived on your, your desktop or your laptop right. computer. You had to, in order to transfer data to the accountant, I had to have a, like a burn a file to a CD and then I would... <laughs> take that to my accountant or maybe mail it to my accountant. The interface since then has simplified significantly. Of course, data can be easily shared with your accountant uh, or bookkeeper. And so it makes life a lot easier. And I'm sure that there's a certain learning curve to it. But when it comes to just the basics of entering income and expenses as you go along or sending an invoice to a client, that kind of stuff is pretty user-friendly, yes? It is. There are just a couple of things that more often than not, someone will contact me and say, I can't figure this out. And it's just a really simple Okay. QuickBooks does it this way. Got it. Does does this thing that you need to just be aware of. And yeah. There's just a couple of things like that that once you figure it out, yeah, it is it is pretty straightforward. Um, but you can kind of make it as in depth as or as complicated as you want it to be, if that yes. if that makes sense. Totally does. But again, fortunately, we have yourself to, to help us through that process. And, and let's actually get to those steps uh, for simplifying bookkeeping this effort, especially for photographers who are a bit apprehensive and, and don't have the experience with this. So uh, just to kind of break the fourth wall, you gave me these three steps. I'm going to go ahead and read them and then just get your take yeah. on each of them. Because first of all, we're talking about setting goals. I mean, this is the first step. Know the goals of bookkeeping. What are those goals that you're referencing? So I think of this in two separate buckets. The first, 
everybody has to have the goal of being tax ready. Mm. You just have to be tax compliant. You know, everyone knows that you have to April 15th or March 15th if you're an escort, you just have to be ready. And so the number one, basically bookkeeping is just keeping accurate records for taxes. But then a secondary and, and usually a less obvious or proactive goal is being uh, helping you strategize. We kind of touched on this already, but if your only goal is to be tax ready, that's one thing. But if you really want to be proactive in your business and you want to make your numbers work for, for you, then then you need to take some possibly some extra steps okay. to um, to make that happen. Got it. Okay. So, I'm, and I'm just taking notes as you're talking here. So get tax ready and then also get ready to strategize. Um, and being aware of the numbers enables you to be able to, to run um, a more profitable, more successful business ultimately. So those are the two primary goals. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. I would say to be ready for taxes and maybe I could say to be ready for growth. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. anything to, to um, simplify Ultimately, though, once you've set those goals, or you at least understand the significance of those goals, um, the next step you said is to research and get organized. What what does this actually mean? Yeah, I would say if 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 you find yourself at a place like you were describing that you found yourself in your business, sometimes it's helpful to just take a step back and say maybe I need to to just dive into basic business principles hmm. and. You know, sometimes people really don't know the difference between gross profit and net income and they, you know, those terms get thrown around, but, but maybe just reading a simple book on basic business principles can be really empowering so that you're not afraid of those terms. You don't have to know the intricacies, but at least at a high level, knowing when you pull up a profit and loss report, knowing what you're looking at. So I think that's part of what I... I mean, when I say research, also a lot of people get stuck on things like sales tax is a huge one for photographers. Like it's just kind of paralyzing because it's different state to state. And so researching things like that, um, researching tax entities, is it better for me to be in a sole proprietorship, an LLC, escort, knowing how, when and how to pay yourself, <laughs> just that those are important things to know how to do. And so just kind of taking a step back and researching. And then from there, getting yourself organized. Software, of course, is a huge one. Right, You can automate so many things with that and kind of streamline. Getting a separate bank account. We kind of touched on that before, but in most cases, especially if you're an LLC, um, you need to have a separate business and, and personal bank account. It just simplifies things and it's much easier. It's It becomes a nightmare to separate if you're to separate and actually be proactive if you're not, if you're mixing business and personal. Okay. But again, it does kind of go back to those goals. Like if you only want to be tax ready, then, then that's going to affect how you approach your business. Sure. Um, when, when it comes to, first of all, understanding the basics of business, is there a particular book that you would recommend or resource that you would recommend for our listeners? Oh, I, I'm on the spot a little bit. I can't think of anything right off the top of my head other than the one I mentioned earlier. Um, and I'll go ahead and throw a book but, out there too. This is yeah. one that was recommended to me uh, by my brother and kind of covers all of the, the so-called basics. Uh, mm -hmm. It's called The Personal MBA, Master the Art of Business by Josh Kaufman. And, and we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, I, I haven't personally had the opportunity to read this book yet, but my brother recommended it to me. And, and then just looking, I do have, I own the book and just looking mm -hmm. at the uh, table of contents, at the at the intro to the book, it looks like it covers a lot of these things that you're referencing. So, well, if, if somebody Perfect. wants a point of reference, that that'll be a good place to go uh, to begin with. But then the other thing, um, this information that we need to understand about you know the tax law specific to particular areas, how to get set up for all of these things. I mean, is that how much of that can I, for example, pay you? to yeah. consult me on, give me the information on, and then ultimately set up for me in my QuickBook so I don't have to go through that process of research and set up and so forth. Yeah, a lot of these questions in regards to taxes will be questions for your CPA, okay. especially if it's state-specific taxes. So once you get all that research done, we can, we can kind of guide you to resources. But as far as tidybooks, we will help you set it up on the back end but the first place to start with that research would be to reach out to your CPA, which 
it's going to be one of the best investments that you make is establishing that relationship and they can guide you on sales tax, you know, um, income, payroll tax, all that kind of stuff. That's, I'd say that's your best resource. Absolutely. Well, and especially if you're going to be working with a bookkeeper and or accountant to go to them first for that information. In my mind, again, I'm looking for the simple way out, right? And we're talking about how to yeah. simplify bookkeeping here. So I don't personally want to go just broadly, you know, do a Google search and try to find the thing. And hopefully I'm seeing the most up-to-date information. Maybe I'm not, I don't know, but uh, maybe this is good enough. Like I, I don't want to risk that either. But I'd also rather just go directly to the source, get the information I need, and then let them do the work for me, pay them to do that. So I don't have to think about that because it kind of stresses me out anyway. And then I can go focus on something that I enjoy, but also helps me build my business. Um, And and by the way, pay for that accountant or that bookkeeper as well, which is important because I know a lot of photographers are probably going to be like, I can't really afford to, again, air quotes here, I can't afford to to pay an accountant or I can't afford to pay a bookkeeper. And the reality is you, you almost can't afford not to have that kind of professional guidance when it comes to managing your numbers if you actually want to grow a business. So I think it's important um, that we prioritize that, but you could be doing the thing that is going to build the business that is going to generate the revenue that pays that bookkeeper, that accountant. And uh, I think that's the way that we should all look at it, right? I agree. It's on the one hand, not only is it going to take time off of your hands and free up your time, but it's really going to free up this mental space so that you can focus on what you love. Like a lot of times I get clients that come to me and they're just so bogged down with the details and they really can't grow. They're like, I got to get this figured out before Mm. I can grow. I got to get this financial piece in order before I can grow. And so it is an investment to, to get organized and then get clarity around all of these topics. But at the end, that investment is going to pay off significantly. And and there's no question whatsoever that it will. Yeah, it does actually pay off financially because not only will you be free to grow, but a lot of times your bookkeeper and CPA will find you areas that you can make more profit. You Mm. can make more money by either cutting expenses or making sure you're getting all of your deductions or pointing out areas of that, hey, maybe you should focus on this income stream that's actually making more money for you and let go of this one or whatnot. Perfect. We've got a third point coming up. I just wanted to clarify one thing, though. Tanya is not here to to create a commercial for her business, and I want to. <laughs> this is not a sponsored episode or anything of the sort. She's been kind enough to come on and and make these recommendations, give us this advice. She does happen to own a bookkeeping company, and naturally, I'm going to um, suggest that you all listening in, if you're looking for somebody, go to her. But I just wanted to make sure that that the, this didn't sound like a big commercial. Um, <laughs> the last thing, though, Tanya, you talk about the importance of getting a workflow and sticking to it. Uh, I guess two questions here. What is the workflow, number one? And then what does it mean to stick to it? Or how can we go about sticking to it? Because I know that a lot of us photographers are kind of emotional types. So we get excited about something or we get on a kick for a little bit and then we kind of fall off the wagon. Um, so what is the workflow? How do we stick to it? Yeah, and I would add to that, I you know probably more often than not, you're working on it the first two or three months of the year when it's off season <laughs> for a lot of people and mm. then maybe revisit it back in, you know, October, November. To that point though, if I, if you don't mind me just interjecting for a second, is it not possible though, if you're hiring a bookkeeper and a CPA to kind of approach it that way? I mean, if, if you put the systems and you're going to talk about workflow, exactly. if you put the systems in place and you've got the, the person who's the expert, who's overseeing the majority of it, can we not, can we not do a little bit of work here and there and then just let the rest be taken care of by the professionals? Exactly. That's the beauty of delegating, really, because once you've got things set up, you've got, if it's a bookkeeper or an accountant, you've got someone keeping a close eye on your numbers, even when you're not able to. And they're going to give you the big, like what we do is we give you the big picture every month or every quarter and say, hey, here's what's going on. Yes. And we do need to communicate with you. We, you know, you can't go totally MIA, but, <laughs> but, for the most part, we allow you to be as hands-on or hands-off as you want to be. That's what a good bookkeeper is going to do, is they're going to set up those systems for you to, to come in and out as you as you want and still give you the, the information that you need. Um, but as far as a workflow, you can kind of look at it yearly, quarterly, and monthly. And the level of your involvement, again, is going to go back to those goals. So if, if your goal is to be tax ready, then you might only, and, and you're not um, necessarily wanting to grow and scale. You might just have a yearly checklist. Let's say you, you only file quarterly or yearly taxes. 
you might just catch up on everything at the end of the year. I don't recommend that. But, and let's say you have to file quarterly estimates at the very least, you need to have your books updated every quarter. But my go-to recommendation would be every month to have a workflow that you um, set aside two hours for, let's say every, you know, the fifth of every month you're working on your books. And if you're on QuickBooks, you'll go in and just categorize. So that just means, hey, this was an office expense. This was equipment. This was um, headshot income. So that's categorizing. And then... Does the software not do a lot of that work for you? It does. You can set it up to, to automate those, those, uh, that information. Uh, it takes some work. Again, everything does. It sure. takes work at the beginning, but it's going to pay off. And yeah. is, that, is that work also something that could be delegated to the bookkeeper? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these things I'm suggesting are if you're doing it yourself, basically. Sure. Okay. If you're if you're wanting to 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 manage your finances on your own, this is would be your monthly workflow that I would recommend. Is okay. You go in and categorize. A part of that too is you gotta get come up with some way of managing receipts. That's maybe a whole other topic, <laughs> but organize your receipts, categorize, and then you'll reconcile. So that just um, means you pull up, you actually pull up your bank statement and you make sure it matches what's in the software. It's really pretty, like that's in a nutshell, but that's really what you need to be doing every month to keep, to keep up to date, to stay accurate. Can we add to that list too, just simply, I mean, it, again, it may seem obvious, but I don't think we have, I don't think we can assume that all photographers know, or at least are doing what they should be entering income as well. I mean, if somebody pays yeah. you, Naturally, if you're running an invoice through a particular piece of software and then payments being run, then it's probably automatically happening anyway. But we just have to make sure that any revenue generated is in the system too, correct? Yes. And I guess I was assuming when I said categorize, if you've got your bank account connected to QuickBooks, for example, you'll see, you know, 5,000 came in and it goes to photography income. But to your point, you do need to be doing some record keeping on the back end of who paid you and when, whether you're doing that in HoneyBook or Dubsado, you definitely, obviously you need to be keeping track of paid and unpaid invoices and that type of stuff. And as far as managing receipts, I mean, I know QuickBooks self-employed does. Mm-hmm. I'm not hundred percent sure if, if QuickBooks online mm-hmm. has an option for receipt track or like snapping receipts yes. on the go, does it? Yes, it okay. does. And yeah. And that's something to default to your CPA too, as well, as far as what should you be keeping receipts for? I like to default to everything just to keep it nice and tidy. But I think the official, as of right now, the official IRS requirement is anything above $75. This is not tax <laughs> advice, of course, but even even regardless of that, I like to just keep track of everything and make sure that if you were ever to be audited, you can come back and find everything you need. 100%. And uh, I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I've been audited a couple of times. And okay. one of the things that that made that process way less stressful is that I was I'm kind of a um, OCD record keeper. So I I mean, the amount of information that I had, I mean, I've, I have receipts going, I think, all the way back to 2003 or something like that. So I have a lot of information stored in Evernote. Um, was a platform that I used a lot for quite a while. Still keep a lot of records there. But for receipts now, I mean, when I have to expense my own company for travel expenses or uh, or marketing expenses or otherwise, I'm just using Expensify. So I can use the Expensify app, Snap Receipts. Um, I think Expensify, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you know, can be tied into something like QuickBooks as well. Yeah. Nonetheless, that information is being tracked and then I can send that to our bookkeeper and um, and it's relatively easy to, to do so. And I think the key with a lot of this stuff, I mean, you pointed out doing this on a monthly basis, we need to do it on a month on, on an ongoing basis, because it will pile up regardless of the beautiful simplicity of the software or not, the stuff will pile up and it's going to take more time. So you're already annoyed or frustrated or fearful or otherwise of, of this whole process to begin with. You were just making it worse for yourself if you put the stuff off, you don't do it on an exactly. ongoing basis. And that's part of what we alluded to earlier. I think that's when the shame and the fear starts yeah. building up because you're and you're panicking and procrastinating, and it's just kind of the cycle where if you're keeping up with it every month or if you're delegating delegating it out, then there's just a sense of peace and it takes a lot of stress out of your life <laughs> to know that it's 
it's being taken care of. hundred percent. Well, and, and maybe you have some other suggestions as far as sticking with it, the consistency in the workflow. Yeah. But I know personally, I mean, if I could recommend to anybody listening in, if you literally just take, let's just say 20 minutes, we'll call it 20 minutes a week just to yes. go back through and categorize as necessary, categorize those expenses, make sure all income is in there. Um, it, it really wouldn't take any longer than that. For most businesses, it could probably be even less than that because it's not like we have a lot of transactions coming through, going in and out. Just doing that consistently, by the time you get to the end of the month, there's going to be little left to actually do because you've done it on an ongoing basis and it helps minimize that stress. And if you're doing it in-house, uh, you can delegate it. <laughs> you can even delegate some of these t- smaller tasks like the categorization to an assistant or keeping, you know, filing your receipts online or whatever. You can yeah. delegate that. The other thing, the tip I would add to stay consistent is find a buddy, whether that's someone in-house to keep you accountable and just, just to set goals of, okay, have you kept up with your bookkeeping this month? If you have a bookkeeper, they will hopefully keep you accountable to that as well. And yeah. they might annoy you with emails back and forth, but but they'll track you down and make sure that you're staying up to date. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you making time to share with the Boca Podcast community um, some really simple, practical advice too when it comes to bookkeeping. And for those of you listening in, you may even say, well, this is this is pretty simple. I mean, it seems kind of obvious, but my question to you would be, are you doing it? Um, And if you're not doing it, it's a good time to start these steps right here are really simple to actually apply to implement. Um, I also, I would also suggest find a bookkeeper, whether you, you go to um, Tanya and, and tidy books or you find somebody local, whatever it might be, have somebody there to rely on. Who's a professional who knows what they're doing, who can give you the advice, who can help you get organized. And uh, that way you can focus on actually building your business and ultimately doing the stuff that you love. So thanks again, Tanya for making time for the book of podcast today. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And for everybody listening in, just go to tidybooksboutique.com. Tidybooksboutique on Instagram. We'll put that in the show notes. Have an absolutely wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.